everybody and welcome to another episode of inking of immunity this episode was recorded around the beginning of march 2021 so any references to covid numbers restrictions or vaccines may be out of date also this episode is part one of two because the conversation with maya was just too good to cut down so keep an eye out for the second part coming next week and enjoy Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Inking of Immunity podcast. I am Chris Lynn. I'm a biocultural anthropologist. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Smetana, who is also a biocultural anthropologist, and Becky Owens, an evolutionary psychologist. Hey, everyone. Hey there. Hello. How are you all? Hanging in. Getting there. <laughs> I would say everyone's limping into the finish line, but we're not even at least here halfway through. So we're we're just limping. Oh no, we are limping to the finish line. I can see the end in sight, and I'm so oh, excited. Nice, <laughs> nice. So today we are talking to Maya Sealuk Jakobsen. Maya is an um, Inuk, which is singular for Inuit, and Danish tattooer. She was actually trained in the Western style of electric tattooing and, and worked as a professional tattoo artist, and she's been doing it for 20 years. But for the past 10 years, she's been researching her own indigenous tattooing traditions and practices, and she runs um, a Facebook page called Inuit Tattoo Traditions and has trained other Inuit people to tattoo, but has recently decided that a full Inuit tattoo revival may be a bit premature. So we've invited her on to talk about her background, to tell us about Inuit tattooing and and her explorations in general. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. Can you both see and hear me and everything? We we can see and hear and all the things. Oh, good. Good, 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 good. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm so excited about today. Yeah. (laughs) As are we. Although I gotta say, the world is taking a beating on our our jolly good times here. So how how are things over there? Let's check in with each other. How are you? Right. Um, well, here uh, I can't work as a tattooer. Uh, we're still uh, there are restrictions, but the shops have opened up now. Well, if they're the, the little shops, not the big uh, malls and stuff. So people are just going nuts, going like t-shirt shopping and secondhand shopping and (laughs) like like it's an outing for the whole family everybody's so happy but (laughs) the numbers are looking pretty good but we're trying to avoid this uh british version of the pandemic or the covid and uh, i don't know we're just all waiting for it to be over i guess yeah yeah Yeah. do you have the vaccine uh, one of the vaccines uh rolling out there yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going pretty well. I think uh, for Europe, Denmark is one of the countries that is the fastest. At, they, they, the producers of the vaccines cannot keep up. So that's the problem. It's getting a little delayed because the delivery is, is slow. Eh? I mean, uh, but uh, I think they say in May, everybody over 50 will have been vaccinated. Mm. 
Great. Good going. And what so about that you? That includes me. I'm hopeful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, I'm Chris. It's nice to meet you virtually, if nothing else, someday, hopefully. And and I'll let the other two say hello. I'm Becky. I'm in I'm in the UK. And I'm Mike. I'm also in Alabama. I'm a PhD student working with Chris here. Are you sitting in a tent? I am. This is the little podcast studio. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are in, in my house and I'm in, in the, this is an old grocery store. The house is from 1900 and it was, it's been a grocery store until the 80s. And now it's my workspace, but you can see behind me, I keep my books in all the grocery shelves. And amazing. <laughs> Pencils in, in the spice drawers. That's so cool. <laughs> Re- repurpose. Yeah. I love that. That's the great thing about Europe. You guys have old things you can reuse. Yeah. It, here they just build newfangled things, none of which seem to have any actual utility, but they're nice veneer. I love old things. Yeah. I've been to Europe once I think and I just about crapped myself when I saw all the history layered literally in like banks yeah right (laughs) and I I worked in history museums in New York City for a while and there's there's little enough there but the further west you go the less less there is and I grew up right in the smack dab in the middle of the U.S. in Indiana where there's practically no sense of heritage so Oh, that's so sad. We had like an American guest artist at the tattoo shop that I co-own in Oslo, Norway. And uh, I was telling him directions, just go outside on the square and walk toward the castle. Then what you were looking for will be on the right hand. And he was like, what castle? Everything looks like a castle. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, I, I love that. I'll, I'll start off by saying this because I know, uh, at least I'm going to assume because I, you know, we all cyber stalk each other a little bit nowadays with Facebook and all this things. So I think you have some older kids, probably your kids look like they're about the age of my kids. I have triplet boys and they're getting ready to go off to college and Becky has plenty of kids, old and young. And... Um, <laughs> What I mean by that is we're all about the same age, except for Mike, who's yeah. a young in there and about to have his first. But right. what I was going to say is my kids got to go to Europe and it's been so difficult here and, and with money and with the world to introduce them to the depth of history and culture that's out there. Uh, yeah. And they went to Europe and they lost their mind. It was such a pleasure to see them come back with that, with their eyes open to those extra layers that you guys have all around you. And growing up in, in Indiana, it's hard to feel a sense of heritage. And, and so what I want to start off with is your sense of heritage, because from what I, I have read, you, you've had a personal exploration as both European and indigenous Inuit is the plural, Inuk is the singular. Yes. That's true, yes. And so you've been in this lifelong process of heritage exploration. Can you walk us through a little bit about your background as a, a human type person and then also your tattooing stuff? 
Sure. Well, I'm the child of a Greenlandic Inuk woman and a Danish man. So from, from get-go, I have lived this polarized uh, existence where my father was a representative of the people who colonized my mother's land. I grew up in Greenland and, and had my, what is it called, formative years there. But I grew up under very uh, heavy uh, denification. Uh, because of my age, it was before the time where there was teaching Greenlandic for all children in, in the schools. So they would choose the children who were the brightest or who had a Danish or both Danish parents to go into special schools that we called the Danish school, you know. <laughs> so, so that was like the beginning of my education was again polarized. Everything was divided in two, you know. My existence outside of the school was very traditional Greenlandic. I, I grew up in a, in a hunter's community with, with uh, very few people and very far from other communities, so isolated and, and, uh, and traditional. Uh, it still is, uh, and it has gotten even smaller due to the centralization of Greenland. But in the midst of all that, I started reading. The library was not very big, you can imagine. Uh, so I read everything at least twice. And I, of course, I started with the age-appropriate stuff. But a lot of the books that were uh, age-appropriate were not culture-appropriate. So as a child, I would read about the, the boy with the magnifying glass who was in his grandpa's uh, garden, finding all these bugs that I've never seen in my life, not to mention a garden, you know. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, so being a child in, in the high Arctic, it was completely normalized uh, reading about the, the white children. The boy was ginger and had curly hair and, and, and he had this magnifying glass. I just loved the aspect of him searching out his environment. And I, I was super curious about these things. But later on, I started reading all the uh, adult books like Jaws and, you know, uh, weird things I've read and totally didn't understand until I reread it later. But after reading all of that, uh, I started reading the magazines with the yellow back. <laughs> you guys got this. <laughs> Anyways, I, I read all these magazines of, of wait, wait, everything. I, I don't get it. National, National Geographic. Oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> and we had like a, a complete shelf in, in, the, in, in the library and, and they're kind of thin. So this was good news for me. There were so many volumes that I could go through, but they were in English. It was before that anyone would write National Geographic in, in the language that I was uh, presented to. So I, I learned English by, by reading about the Amazon and reading mm -hmm. about Galapagos and, you know, and I got a sense of the world. Not to mention the colors of the world. I was like, oh my God, look at that. There's so much color out there. And I lived in this uh, mountain, ocean, uh, Arctic environment, uh, which is 
uh, colorful in different ways, but uh, a lot of white and blue pastels, you know, and 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 get uh, again super polarized with with one long night and one long day. You know, we don't have the sun going away in the summer, and the summer uh, the sun is completely gone in the winter. Uh, so everything for me was divided like this, and this is how I understood the world. And later on, I, I had to take on the task of collecting that inside of me. And, and become one complete human being. Uh, I, I don't see the, the polarized background as, as, a, as a bad thing, really. Uh, I see it as a, as a great uh, stepping stone to understand other people's situation. But as an adult, uh, I, I, I went back to Denmark with my father and my siblings when there was no more school in my tiny community. And I stayed in Denmark for about 10 years. And then I ventured into the world of, you know, I wanted to see all those things that National Geographic had promised me. <laughs> so I, I went to first to Iceland. And uh, from Iceland, uh, I went to the Netherlands. And in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, outside Amsterdam, I started tattooing. I learned tattooing from a, a, a white man. Uh, with very long red hair. Uh, <laughs> he was super, super duper pale and also very pale in his mindset. And he was working solely with patterns from Polynesia, from New Zealand, etc. He was what we call a black worker. And I was introduced to this uh, world where European people are taking on cultures that they are not members of and in tattooing. Hmm. And um, usually as an apprentice, you get tattooed by your, your master. And um, I, as you can't see all of me, but I actually do not have any sort of tribal uh, from my teacher. I didn't have the vocabulary for it at the time, but something that didn't sit right by me when he was tattooing this stuff on people that was also not from these islands and you know and of course we were talking about that i was from greenland and he was curious about my culture and throughout my 10-year career as a western tattooer i was uh, introduced to the question quite often why are you not doing inuit tattooing and I, I had a sense of the fact that we had a tattoo tradition, but I was very removed from it. Like everybody else in Greenland, I was very removed from it. We had not tattooed for 250 years and the collective memory on it was, was you know, gone, really gone. So I looked at the pictures and what I found was like, uh, a woman from Labrador, like a, a woodblock print, I think it is. And, and she looks kind of white, but then just dressed in like, like our ancestors would dress. And I, I couldn't relate to her. I got the book of the mummies uh, from Kalekitok, which is in Northern Greenland, not far from where I come from. In fact, if we had lived at the same time, our, our men would have shared hunting territories. Uh, so that's how close uh, I am from, from, from the area where these women were living. And even reading this book, it came out in the 80s, uh, I, I didn't have this sense of connection to it. 
just yet. So after 10 years of tattooing, uh, machine tattooing, Western tattooing, like roses and <laughs> manga. I tattooed a bunch of manga. <laughs> um, Japanese I had, uh, manga? The, is that Japanese? Yeah, like the Japanese cartoony style. I, say, I know that from my kids' anime interest. I'm like, wait a minute. I know <laughs> yes, that. like the really big eyes. And, yeah. yeah. You know, when you're tattooing, when you start doing a thing, and it's in your portfolio, sometimes it just, and you, you really have to work kind of hard to get out of it again. Yeah. That was manga for me, okay. <laughs> yeah, I 100% I, I understand. How did you get interested in tattooing? Oh, but but that was like pretty early on, actually. Um, my, my father is a very strange man. Let me put that out there first. <laughs> he's an artist and, uh, and he's also uh, quite strict. I'm very strict uh, raised. But at the same time, he was also, you know, he would wake up us uh, kids up at night and, and, and take us outside to see like how all these uh, little, uh, I don't know the English name, the uh, plankton in the water wow. had frozen in the ice and it just looked like, diamonds in the moonlight bioluminescent yes and and he would wake us up get dressed it was like minus 30 outside and we little ones had to get dressed and go outside to look at the nature's marvels you know and um i grew up without television and i have never watched a lot of television he was very strict like that uh, but sometimes he would you know borrow a television because we should also get introduced uh, to society like that but mind you there was no television in greenland until 1983 so <laughs> so but at, at some point we had a tv in the house and uh, and he woke me up i had gone to bed and he woke me up and said there's a japanese movie on and i want you to see it because it's it's a very uh, artistic movie it's beautiful and uh it was totally inappropriate for my age okay so it's about this this japanese man who falls in love with a woman because she has the most amazing white skin mm. i could relate to the attraction of amazing white skin and i was like oh she's so pretty but because she was so pretty uh, the man wanted her tattooed so he let her get tattooed like a big thing on her back and while she was getting tattooed by this japanese master uh his apprentice was basically having sex with her to get her mind off the pain and uh, so this was all like super artsy japanese film you know and then after the tattoo is done she she goes into the lake to cool her skin down and the man falls out of love with her because her skin is no longer white. And I was like, whoa, this is insane. But the tattoo is so cool, mm. you know. And I knew two things. I wanted to get me a tattoo and a man who doesn't need super white skin. <laughs> and I, I needed also to go to Japan. <laughs> so I managed all of that. And... Um, uh, so that was like a very early on uh, interest for the tattooing. Um, 
and and then I, I was busy having my kids. I'm from Greenland, so I had my kids pretty young. And um, after that, I got my first tattoo, and then a couple of days after, I got my second tattoo because I thought this is freaking cool. I need more of this. And uh, so already at, at the third tattoo, uh, I got tattooed by the person who taught me and I, I landed the apprenticeship while getting my third tattoo, which is insane. And, and I, I keep telling kids out there, it's really hard getting an apprenticeship. You, 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 know, you have to look everywhere. I just jumped right in it. So I, I was lucky, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so you mentioned there about um, learning English from reading National Geographic, um, which is, absolutely mind-blowing um you've, you've said before that your language has the melody of the nordic but the imagery of the arctic and i was just wondering could you tell us a bit about what you mean by that yes um well because i i, I grew up in Greenland and with with the way we speak in that language i tend to speak in a very descriptive way and uh, storytelling is, is a really big thing for us. And, and what I do for, for a living uh, is, is, you know, everything I do, uh, if it is the research or if it is the tattooing itself or it is the teaching or uh, public speaking or when I do my art projects, everything goes under storytelling. So the oral tradition is, is what tells us what it is to be Inuk and how an Inuk should do things. It's what we call Inuktut, the Inuit ways. And uh, uh, tattooing uh, for us is, is, is a part of Inuktut. It's part of the spirituality, it's part of the religion. And, and the way we talk about things, because in our religion, everything is spirited, everything has life and, and, and has, um, awareness, you know. So the way we talk and the way I tend to speak is being respectful for the spirit of all things and being respectful for the awareness of all things. Um, so uh, if I, for instance, I see a, a tattoo done in the shop where I tattoo and it's not to my liking because people have very odd tattoo choices sometimes, I will always find something nice to say. I would never offend the spirit of the tattoo or the spirits of the person or the person who made it or the needle, everything. I just have to be super careful. I, I would never offend the, the tattoo. So the, the imagery that comes when we are talking, uh, because we speak of things like as if they are aware, um, that's, that's what I mean by the imagery. And, and tattooing in the Arctic amongst the Inuit people, uh, we are in, in four different countries now, not to our choice, but that has been chosen for us by the visitors who came to our lands and, and with, with the deciding hat on, you know. They made uh, borders. Uh, so some of us belong to Denmark and are Danish citizens, some are Canadian citizens, some are American citizens, and some are Russian citizens. But we are all Inuit citizens. We belong to the Inuit lands, which we call Inuit Nunet. 
in my dialect. And all four countries, all the peoples, we have very many tribes on the, we're not very many though. We are maybe worldwide 180,000 on a good day. But we have tribes and sub-tribes and clans. And, you know, I think the, the Yupik in Alaska, they have something like 34 sub-tribes and they're maybe a couple of thousand people you know <laughs> so uh, but so so everything we do everything in our cultural heritage our immaterial culture the culture we live in today uh, as uh, contemporary people who happen to be indigenous people as well uh, everything we do today everything we have done before it's like one big language but with very many dialects so if you see the Inuit tattooing as a language with different variations and dialects, uh, then it makes it more easy to understand that this belongs to the Isulik, this belongs to the Nunavik, this belongs to Greenland, you know. Right. Um, so the, the imagery of my language comes from there, but the tone of my language comes from speaking Scandinavian languages every day. And, my children speak Norwegian because we lived in Norway for so long. Mm -hmm. And and after three days in Norway, I, I have to clear out my throat and make it Danish again. <laughs> and neither of it feels supernatural. You know, it's like, a, it, it's, it's an attempt. There's also storytelling to the Nordic uh, tradition though. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm working with my Inuit traditions, with my culture there, but I do have another culture as well. And, and, and uh, that's of course the, the Scandinavian or the Nordic culture, and I'm equally proud of it. Uh, but when it comes to research of tattooing, it's just more fun with the Inuit because there is actual proof of tattooing, you know? So the Viking tattooing is, is a little, uh, first of all, maybe, crowded uh, and, and second of all uh, maybe it demands a, a level of, of uh, pop scientific uh, attitude uh, where I'm very much looking for truth and and I, 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 I spent now already a good 10 years on researching inner tattooing and I'm not done yet I, mm -hmm. I, I, I like going into the depths of things and and also like use the language for instance for as a way of, of understanding um understanding the patterns and the reasons and the, i know you you guys have spoken to to both ben and aaron who are so good at the tools uh, and I keep being after these boys and telling them, but what is the intention? Why does the tool look like this? And how, how do the people live? What do they believe in? Uh, you know, that's a good indication of why the tattoos are made in a certain way. You will find the answers in the immaterial culture. Archaeology alone is... is uh, I, I don't want to be rude, but it's just things, you know. <laughs> but uh, so, so, so using, you know, a lot of intuition and and, and cultural uh, connection and anchorage, I can sort of uh, dive deeper into the research than an outsider can. But on the other hand, every time I then have to do things like this, it becomes very personal because I'm so personally invested in it and, and, and you know, 
it doesn't matter for for Aaron's interview where he grew up or or what languages he grew up speaking or yeah but it matters for me it matters for my research and so it always becomes a different type of interview mm. and a different type of of research also i guess yeah. But, but working with Ben and Aaron is very good for me. And I, I believe I'm good for them too, but, but it's very good for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm very happy, uh, especially Ben, I've been talking to uh, for five years about my research and, and, and now we do things together on, on the tool part of the Inuit tattooing. I could never do the things that he can do. But he can't do what I do to save his life, you know. So yeah. it, it's just a good combination of things. Mm-hmm. Speaking of this diversity of perspectives that you've had and just in your growth and the different cultures that you've been exposed to and a part of, you've said that you study your culture through the eyes of foreign observers to create a sense of your culture uh, that has been lost to collective memory and things that have lived around for a long time and that you knew of, but at the same time didn't know. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you could just explain that a little bit. Well, um, the downside to colonization, <laughs> there, there are many downsides. <laughs> <laughs> I can mention a few, <laughs> but the, the, one of the, the, the scary parts of it is that now we can say colonization is over. In our case, in Greenland, where where I come from, colonization has been over since 1953. So in 79, we got home rule government. And in 2011, we got part autonomy. We're not free yet, but there are steps taken all the time. But that is the formal part of the colony being dissolved. You know, we have our own government now. But when it comes to the personal colonization of people and the mindset and our culture and the, the stamp that 300 years of, of Danish rule have had on our uh, existence, that is far more complicated because each individual will have to go and in their own spirit and see what is learned. What do I need to unlearn and scrape off, you know? And how do I know what is what? You have to realize that a lot of young people in Greenland do not even know that we have been a colony until high school. So I get messages from young people who are like amazed and and appalled by the fact that it has been kept from them, that the situation that we live in is is described as normalcy. So we know it without knowing it. We know there's something wrong. We know there's something that is not like other people have it. For the longest time, we maybe believe it's just because we're not white. But then we realize, wait, there's more to this. So in order to find the things that we have been forced to forget, 
you know, changing of culture, forced change of culture, uh, forced change of religion, forced uh, change of, of mindset and, and uh, worldview, you know, in order to, to find out all these things that none of us have written down. Everybody else has been describing us. We are one of the most researched people in the world. But when other people are, are researching you, and describing you, you know, white men describing my culture for other white men, then I have to deal with that they have chosen which parts were interesting to write down. Mm. And I, I can tell you tattooing was not one of the things that had high priority, you know. <laughs> the man's hunting tools, on the other hand, they are well documented and, and our, our ways of traveling and, and the, the nomadic aspect of our culture, all those things. But our religion and the female practices are, are hard to find, you know. And uh, we definitely do not remember them just automatically. Uh, we have to look and we have to like scrape under the skin a little to, to find it. But it does live in us. It is in there. So we do have the knowledge like a genetic memory, you know. And um, this, this I had found out the practical way, not just by being all Gwyneth Paltrow about it. I, I really... Uh, seriously have seen it happening you know and so what happens is that I have to read all these descriptions of us made by white explorers polar explorers adventurers and priests men 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 you know and uh, how do I do that I have my father he's a perfect example of the white man in Greenland uh, so that's help but also I had to get to know the white men that wrote about us so I read their diaries instead of reading the published books that are like polished for for the audience and uh, nothing is more honest than a diary written by a polar explorer at minus 50 on the tundra you know he has no no time to romance about things and uh, very honest opinions come out uh, it's been very hard and, and I, I was basically crying for four years and being angry for four years and, and then I could place it and I read what is colonization. I had to understand that too because it's not something when you're from a colonized area that you're brought up with loads of education about. It is hushed down and it is there is like this this um, conflict shyness around it and still when I speak publicly and there's a lot of Danish people in the audience I, I come with a warning mm. I'm going to talk about colony things if, if you hate it this is your chance to leave uh, but if you're curious uh, and, and you know it might change your day we could actually work on this together perhaps instead of being in two camps and but I just had to get to know these white men and I know them quite well now, I feel. Mm. And, and it, it's a very handy tool for me when I have meetings at museums and, <laughs> and I meet the white man in his habitat. Then, <laughs> <laughs> then I can like, I, I, I know him a little bit, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but I spent uh, an incredible amount of time on, on reading and reading and reading and reading and taking notes and finding patterns and, and finding out about 
this religion that I grew up in parallel to Christianity and uh, what is what and, and why do we do the things that we do? Uh, what does it mean? Why has no one, and this I found out, no one has ever defined our religion. I could look up uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Judaism, Christianity, uh, Islam, all of these I could look up and I could read the definition of them and, and like what is their like main characters or, you know, who are the popular people in, in their, you know, there was no such thing for, for the Inuit religion. So I had to look at that too. Eh? I, I had to find out and, and that was much more fun reading, by the way. And, and there was so much that I could recognize and like, oh my God, I've been doing this all my life, you know, and then I could actually claim it and say this is who I am this is how I think and now I know why you know a lot of pieces fell into place both for my work and for my person and how I deal with my children and how I deal with the world basically I'm reminded and and I, I don't know how much Becky has read of the diaries of explorers and, and anthropologists, but I'm I'm guessing a lot of them are like Bronislaw Malinowski's famous infamous diaries uh, among the Trobrian Islanders. Uh, he's he's credited with inventing participant observation, but he was basically a a bastard and a, a xenophobe in his personal diaries. Um, so I'm guessing many of them are like that. I'll say that my eyes were opened to what even those of us who are our school in anthropology missed in just our very last interview with Dion Casas, who is another tattooist who is exploring cultural traditions. And one of the, the sources for learning about his culture was um, a contemporary with um, Boaz, who I had never known about, right? So the, the long and short of it is there's a lot of exploration for us to do in that regard, too, in, yes. in knowing our own, how, how we've been socialized. Yes, that's what I always say. We have to be decolonized, but so do you. Yeah. You know, it does not help that every Greenlander finds peace in, uh, of mind by, by knowing their past and, and knowing history and ancestry, etc. Uh, if we are constantly met with the colonial mindset from, from the people who actually still have the upper hand and, and, and westernization is so strong. I see it every day. I, I see it also amongst Inuit who are not from Greenland, you know. Uh, imagine being, a, you know, native in, in, in the U.S., which is such a strong, the Americanism is such a strong thing, you know. It's the only place uh, that I have heard Inuit say, I am Alaskan Inupia, I am American Inupia. Mm. You know, I would never say I am a Danish Inuk. I don't say <laughs> it's absurd. I would never, you know, I, I hold a Danish passport, but the, the Danish identity is not important for me Inuk-wise. But the American identity is very, very strong. Mm. And there is such a normal uh, way of saying in the States, I, I'm, I'm American Italian, I'm American Irish, etc. So obviously you're also American Inukbiak, where I'm like, you've been there the whole time. You, <laughs> you know, 
I don't know. It just, uh, I had to meet the different forms of colonization that our peoples have been through in order to understand that our original culture is where we are alike in our colonized cultures is where we are different. You know, I came to Alaska as a very Scandinavian person. I was, of course, also Greenlandic Inuk, but I was also very Scandinavian. And that was the part that clashed with the people that I was working with. It was not my Inukness, it was my Danishness, you know. Uh, so that has been a learning process. But in order to understand all these people who are writing and, and like Boas and Rasmus and all of them, you know, you have, I had to understand and make timelines of European history. And, and European mindset. For instance, in, in 1721, when Greenland was colonized by a Norwegian priest, I had to look at what did Denmark look like? Mm -hmm. You know, what was a, Norway was Danish then? And the, the type of punishment for crime, for instance, and what was considered crime. I mean, it, it takes, I'm sorry, balls to go to Greenland and say, you guys are uncivilized when you could see the stuff that was going on in the streets of Europe. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know the English names for all these torture instruments, but they were pretty bad, you mm -hmm. know. Physical punishment for, for the slightest things. Women, were they humans? I don't know, you know. Uh, maybe not until they were married, at least. And a, a woman with children outside of marriage or, or independent women, all of this. I mean, I live on an island here in Denmark where there's a bunch of islands south of us. And one of the islands, this tiny, tiny little island, is actually a prison for independent women. You know, it closed in the 60s. And so I'm just saying, who is it that brings civilization to us? Uh, I had to learn all of those things in order for me to be able to have the discussions with Danish people about these things, you know. Mm. Look at your past. Danes had slavery in, in, in the West Indies and, and they, they sold and bought people and calculated on how many people could be on a boat without dying mm -hmm. from Africa to the West Indies, you know. Uh, and, and the, but the Danish national image uh, does not include these things, you know. So it's, it's just been uh, very interesting. I looked at art too, like, like I have been in discussion panels uh, about uh, colonial art. And, and if, you, if you go to the National Gallery of Denmark, uh, Greenland is just landscapes. There are no people. And the amount of Greenlandic art represented at the gallery made by Greenlandic people can be on, it can lay on my desk. You know, it's so little. So, so the national narrative is, is way off and needs some scrutiny, I feel. Next week, we will continue the discussion with Maya Sealuk. But in the meantime, thanks to everyone for listening. You can follow the show on Twitter at inking underscore immunity and on Instagram at inking dot of dot immunity. The hosts of the show are Chris Lynn, Becky Owens, and Mike Smetana. The team that helps make these episodes are Patricia Arnett, Julia Sponholtz, and me, Kiri Yancey. See you next time.